so much for being in God's house this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers and to all of our ladies and all of our church mothers. We say Happy Mother's Day. And let's just give all of our ladies a good hand this morning. God bless you. God bless you. And we thank God for you today. We thank God for you today. You know, I don't know, it's difficult to preach when you smell breakfast food. Just, just wanted to say. <laughs> I smell it. I think, uh, I appreciate the men that are cooking that this morning and uh, their crew. And let's give them a good hand of appreciation. And I think they were here at about 6.30 a.m. this morning. I rolled over and thought about them. And Rolled back over. <laughs> but God bless them for, for doing that. And all ladies are invited to come down at 10 o'clock this morning down to Fellowship Hall. Miss Karen Marshall will be speaking, sharing a, her heart with you and devotion and um, breakfast for you all. And then, of course, we'll have 11 o'clock service this morning. So um, I thought when I pulled up on the lot this morning, I am so glad that we're, I saw all the cars and people and We've got activities planned. You know, last year at this time, I was sitting up here at a table looking at a, at a camera, and everybody was at home. So I thank the Lord we're able to be back together this Mother's Day. Amen. God is good. God is faithful. And I just believe there are great things ahead for God's people and God's church. Amen. Amen. Would you turn with me, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to begin a new series this morning. And um, if you would, I would like to encourage you to, to read, uh, you may want to just read all of 2 Timothy, just a little, a little epistle, a little letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, um, but especially the third and fourth chapters are going to be anchor points for this series, anchor points for what uh, I will be preaching about the next several weeks. So I encourage you to read 2 Timothy, or at least read 2 Timothy chapters 3 and 4. Uh, for time constraints this morning, I want to just share a little excerpt from right there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Paul writing to Timothy, Paul being the seasoned minister, the seasoned apostle, uh, anchor in the early church, and he is about to finish his course, run his race, and he is poured into this man, Timothy, who's going to carry on and share such godly, timely advice to him. But here he says in verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. There will be a judging of us one day. Isn't that the truth? Every one of us will be judged based on our first will be judged have we accepted Christ, right? As our Lord and Savior. But Beyond that, if we have settled that question and salvation is ours, we're going to be judged on how we live this life. And I want to be found in a good judgment. How about you? I want a good report on that judging day. He's going to judge us. Look at verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready. Be instant. In season and out of season. When they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it, you still preach it and be ready to preach it. Convince, rebuke, exhort. With all long-suffering and teaching, all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, look at those little words, 
For the time will come, and I'm going to ask us a question this morning. Has that time arrived? Are we seeing that time now? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn themselves away from the truth and be turned aside to fables or or another word for fables is myths. I ask us this morning, those little verses right there, are we at that time today? Are we seeing the fulfillment of what Paul was saying to Timothy? A time when people will not listen to the trueness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who will not support the validity and the trueness of the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. But instead, are we living in a time where people are wanting to find and hear what they want to find and what they want to hear. But that doesn't change the truth of God's Word. And now more than ever, we need to be ready, instant as he said, ready in season and out of season. So I ask us this morning, if we are indeed here, if we have arrived as a society and even as a church world, if we have arrived here where Paul is telling us in chapter 4, I think there's a next slide that, that asks this question I want to ask you. How did we get here? And that's going to be some of the premise of this series that we're going to be looking at as we get back to the basics, back to the basics of life. How did we get let me say this as we talk about some what have become controversial things in this world. Things that we wouldn't have never dreamed would have been controversial. I want to talk about them through this series with courage, but also with compassion. Now more than ever, the world around us needs to hear the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Bible, sound doctrine. They, want, they need to hear it. We need to proclaim it with courage and not be intimidated and not cower to the political correctness that has invaded our land. Courage. But just as important it is for us to have courage, we need to have compassion. Can I get an amen this morning? And they around us, whoever that they is, they need to know that we are proclaiming the truth because we love them. We're not proclaiming the truth because we hate them. We're not proclaiming the truth because we want to discriminate against them. We are not proclaiming the truth because we want to hurt their feelings. Too long in our tradition, I, I'm afraid that we have gotten our kicks sometimes off of coming to a pulpit somewhere and preaching against sin and even against people. And we like to amen that and we like to get excited about that. But I'm not preaching against people. I'm preaching a message that will help people. Is that all right this morning? And too long I think we've come to church and, and we'll stand on, on these hot button issues and we like to shout and get excited and we say, boy, the preacher stuck it to them today. I don't want to stick it to anybody. I want to present to them the truth of the gospel that will change their lives and bring them out of the sin that is killing them and destroying them. Is that all right this morning? Courage and compassion. Now, I'm feeling pretty good right now. We better, we might, we're going to have to, I know we have breakfast coming up, but I feel, I, feel like, I feel like preaching this morning. How did we get here? I put a little timeline on the screen, and I thought of the word erode. You know what erosion 
is. Erosion, maybe of soil, of land, a, a gradual wearing away. Erosion, eroding does not happen just like that, does it? But just over time, erosion. And we see things that are fundamental, scripturally fundamental, basics of life, basics of this world. And I believe we started with an erosion process that began when we began to see creation undermined it. Up until the time of Charles Darwin, it was theology was considered to be what they called the queen of sciences. Theology being the study of God, the study of God's word. Up until the time of Charles Darwin, it was accepted that theology was the queen of sciences. Everything scientific, everything natural was based upon the word of God and was based upon theology. But then a man named Charles Darwin came on the scene and, and came up with this theory of evolution and it began to undermine the authority and the realness of God's word. And erosion began. You see, we cannot start to undermine a creative God, an all-powerful God, a God who spoke this entirety of this world into existence, we cannot begin to undermine his authority in creation and then not start to see negative effects happen in other parts of life. And so what happened then as you go through and forward through the timeline of, of time and of, of years we start then seeing that human life really began to be questioned. And if, if God is not creating human life, then maybe, just maybe, a mother has a choice as to whether she goes ahead and brings that life into existence or she has an abortion and, and ends that. And so we end up in a situation where abortion becomes a very hot topic in our land. And we all know the decision Roe versus Wade and now the, the millions of, of unborn lives that have been, not been brought into this world because of abortion. That was the big topic for many, many years, for decades. It's still a big topic, but it's almost in some ways as if it has been accepted that that's just going to be. I hate to say that, but I, it's almost as if we say, well, I hate that, but there's not anything we can do about it, and we just kind of seem like we've moved on, don't we? Hopefully not. The Scripture still teaches life, amen? But then we start seeing an erosion in marriage and family. We start seeing things that were kind of kept secret, kept quiet, an agenda that has advanced rapidly within the last 20 years of our time now of saying that marriage is not really what God defined marriage to be. If I'm committed to someone, regardless of whether that person is a male or a female, and I'm a male or a female, it doesn't matter as long as I love them and they love me. But that's not the definition that God has given us for marriage and family. Can I get an amen this morning? I would have thought that it would have ended there. But a few years ago when I was working, filling in in, in, the, in the school here, very local school, I saw a young lady with a shirt on 
And it opened my eyes to something else that I did not realize was on the horizon of our society. Her shirt, I had to study it out and really think, what, what is that shirt? What is it saying? What is it meaning? But what it said was, end gender. Hello? End gender. And now we have reached a point in our society. We don't just undermine a creative God we don't just have people who feel it's okay to decide whether a pregnancy continues or doesn't continue. We don't just have a situation where people say, I'll define marriage and family the way I want to and not the way God's Word says. Now we have an attack on our very person, our very biological makeup, where people say, I will choose whether I am male or whether I am female. How did we get here? We need to talk about these things. We need to talk about them with courage. We need to talk about them with compassion. And now more than ever, we need to know why we believe what God's Word says. And we need to be able to articulate it. Gone are the days where we can look at someone and say, well, God's Word says it. We're going to need to be able to express what God's Word says and be students of His Word and be able to articulate with courage and compassion. Let me move on to the point number one. This morning I want to talk about creation. Creation is a theological concept, not a scientific concept. Anyone who tries to tell our young people, anyone who tries to tell us that evolution has been scientifically proven, they are false and they are in error. But it's being taught throughout all of our public schools. Science is based on observation. And scientists were not there at creation. No one observed creation. So what we have is a bait and switch that happens in curriculums that happens to those who have the agenda of teaching our children evolution. What happens is they say, look at the changes that happen biologically to us. Look at nature and how nature adapts. And yes, we do change. And yes, nature adapts. And yes, you could even use that word evolve. Nature responds and evolves because God designed it that way and we change. But they take things that we see that really do happen, watch me this morning, and then they connect them to what is called cosmic evolution. And they say, okay, what set all this in motion? Everything that we can observe, everything that we can see, everything that happens, it was set in motion by this big bang cosmic evolution. It's the way the enemy always works. He mixes the truth with lies. And I've heard it said many times, if you're going to tell a lie to convince masses of people, then tell a big lie because they're more apt to believe a big lie. And it is true. Look at Hitler. Look what happened in Germany. I, like I, I could give you all kinds of examples in world history. Big lies that people just start following. Everything that happens that we observe, that we can see naturally or scientifically, God designed it. God put it into place. But he did it when he spoke this world into existence. 
And for a scientist to look at us in the eye and say that evolution, cosmic evolution, big bang, that, that all of this came from nothing on its own by chance, they are undermining their very field of science. They are being uns unscientific themselves. Everything that they propose about evolution goes against every proven scientific law. Get this, and I know I need to move on. It takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does to believe in God. I just want to say it this morning. Creation is not a scientific concept. We cannot gain any value of learning about the beginning from going to a science textbook or a science expert. Creation is a theological matter that begins in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, and it is a literal account of God who created the heavens and the earth. I should get a big amen right there. And when that was undermined, go ahead, give the Lord praise this morning. When that was undermined, we started beginning to see the erosion that I talked about. That's where it started. That, that's where it began. That's where the erosion started. But I like what God said to Job in Job 38 and 4. When Job and God were having a little conversation some people say have a come to Jesus moment. You ever heard it said that way? Job and God were having a, a conversation. And God said to him, where were you, big boy? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have any understanding. I believe that God in his infinite power has existed in eternity past. He is existing now. He will be in existence forever. He is God without beginning and without ending. He is the powerful, creative God and he needed no man to create this world. That's basic point number one. Basic point number two. Creation is accepted by faith in Holy Scripture and guided by the Holy Spirit. Oh, I hope I can preach this the way I feel it and the way I, it got a hold of me this week. <laughs> I want to tell us this morning, I don't need someone to come in here and give me a creation seminar. I don't need someone to come in here and try to explain to me how God did this, how he didn't do that. The word of God is enough. There is still power in the preached word of God. When God's word is preached, the Holy Spirit verifies his word and it produces faith in the hearer. I still believe that this morning. I still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Word and they work together. And this thing that he called the foolishness of preaching over in the New Testament, when we proclaim God's word, his word will find a lodging place in hearts and lives. Creation is accepted by faith in the Holy Scripture as guided by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 11.3 supports what I just said. By faith. Everybody say faith. By faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. If you believe this morning, say, I believe. I believe. 
You see, there are those who say, well, Genesis, you know, the first few chapters, it's, it's not to be taken literal and it's symbolic and it's this and that. My question to them would be, well, where do you start believing then? Do you jump in in chapter 4 or 5 or chapter 6 or do you wait until Exodus? or Where, where are you going to jump into the Bible? I believe we ought to place our faith in Genesis 1 all the way through the end of the book and that will guide us through this life and get us into eternity with Him. I believe the Word of God. Another thing is the Bible proves itself. Time will not allow me to get into all that this morning. But any serious student of the Word of God will find that over and over the Bible proves itself. Hundreds of writers, thousands of years, it all relates, it all corresponds. Everything in the Old Testament points to Christ in the New Testament. Christ fulfilled it all, not to mention the power of the Word that works in my life when I claim it and lay hold to it. Boy, I hate we have breakfast this morning. I think I could preach about two hours today. By faith. By faith. By faith. Point number three. Creation is congruent with all holy scripture. Now that word congruent is a geometry word. And heaven knows that I don't want to talk about geometry 